this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host the sampath the union government has set up a committee headed by president ramnath kovind to look at various aspects of implementing the one nation one election plan the broad idea here is to synchronize the timing of lok sabha and state assembly elections across all states this proposal for simultaneous elections has raised many concerns and foremost among them is the impact it will have on federalism then there is also the question of feasibility for instance what happens if a state government falls before its term is over and then there are the legal aspects what are the various constitutional amendments that would be needed and would the states have to ratify all of them as well so we explore the one nation one election idea in detail in this episode and we have with us argya sengupta research director at the vidhi center for legal policy argya welcome to in focus and thank you so much for joining us thank you sampath for having me so i get to start with i was wondering if you can talk a little bit about this uh, committee headed by the president how did it come about what are its terms of reference it's not the first committee as you know uh, just to start off with that yeah so the committee that has been set up which is called the high level committee to look into the issue of one nation one election has in some sense come all of a sudden because there was no inkling that uh, one nation one election would be uh, an issue at this point of time there was really no build up to this committee uh, so in that sense it it came out of the blue but if we take it in a larger historical sense this is uh, not the first committee to have gone into this issue uh, by my reckoning there have been four serious uh, reflections on this idea of simultaneous election or one nation one election from the 1999 law commission report by justice jeevan reddy which was a early formal push towards returning to a system of simultaneous elections then there was a 2015 parliamentary standing committee headed by em sudarshana nachiyappan of the congress party senior lawyer uh and there there was also an argument made in favor of simultaneity though there were many options that were presented then the niti ayog had come up with a paper in if i'm not mistaken around 2017 in the first term of the nda government which suggested a switch to simultaneous elections uh, although it said that it would be better if we do it in two phases and not one so not one nation one election but perhaps one nation two elections and then there was also a draft paper by yet another law commission in 2018 uh it was a draft report not a full report um which again reiterated the need to have this debate so i think this is an issue that has gone on for about the last two decades on and off uh so in that sense the 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 committee is part of a historical continuum though in the immediate circumstances it's it's its constitution uh has has come all of a sudden right so uh from what i can make out about the terms of uh, reference uh, what stands out uh, is that this uh, committee select committee which is high level committee as you said which has been set up 
its main job is to look at how to make this thing happen rather than examine the feasibility is it really you know desirable to have simultaneous elections now is that the way do you think to go about it is it a foregone conclusion by now that simultaneous elections are desirable have we really looked at the impact on voter turnout and vote congruence all those aspects i was just wondering your thoughts on that yeah yeah so it does appear from the terms of reference of the committee that it is already dealing with the downstream question of how to make it happen rather than whether to make it happen uh, they have kept some language a little bit vague so there is a possibility that they can examine simultaneous elections so that the as a lawyer the word examine is pregnant with possibilities there's a lot that we can do with that uh, but i think the spirit of this uh, terms of reference is very much as you rightly pointed out about uh, making it happen rather than whether it should happen uh and i think that this has really been this is not exceptional i must state that that all the the four reports that i talk about all of them start with a premise that this is a good idea and and i think that we should take a little bit of time to examine that question before we come down to the mechanics and i think a lot of public debate over the course of the last uh, two weeks uh, before you before yes. we talk about the mechanics i mean you spoke about the spirit of the terms of reference i was wondering about the spirit of the composition of this committee i mean uh, it is headed by a person who has spoken publicly on record about uh, how simultaneous elections is the way forward and the all the other uh, people on the committee also uh, like the, there was one opposition member adhir ranjan who declined to be a part of it so uh, any comments on the composition I mean, does it have the kind of diversity of views represented in it yes absolutely so i think that one nation one election is an extremely significant issue for the future of electoral democracy in india and this is something that requires bipartisan consensus and this is something that requires time so i think on both these issues this must the committee that we have set up that the government has set up at this point of time and that we've now seen should really be the beginning and not the end one they must set up a widespread process of consultation across political parties not just uh, parties at the center but parties at the states there must be much wider composition much wider discussions than anything that can happen inside a committee no matter how representative that committee is so one is that i think that this should really be uh the beginning of a process and a process that must move slowly because if done right simultaneous elections could have significant benefit for the country let's be honest it's a great idea if done right but if it's done wrong it could lead to a doomsday scenario where you have defections all over the place and you're back to a irram gayaram scenario and i'll come to that in a minute and as i was saying is that i think that before we get to the mechanics of it we need to understand what the impact of simultaneous elections is likely to be and now and there are studies there are studies there's a study by uh, an academic from concordia university called i may get the name wrong saba nicolani uh, which has studied all elections in india from 1971 to 2014 and has come to the conclusion that whenever there are simultaneous elections there is a 9 to 10% increase in voter turnout than when the elections are staggered between 
one to two years. So whenever the center and the state elections are happening together, more people come out to vote. That's a great thing. And I think uh, we do want more people to come out and vote. And if simultaneous elections can do that, that's great. But at the same time, there are a lot of studies, particularly from Europe, where there are elections at the local level, the regional level, the national level, and also at the European level, which shows that while it does increase voter turnout, it also increases voter congruence. And by congruence, what is meant is that people vote for the same party in, in both cases. Now, the, here's where it gets interesting, because which party do they vote for? And, and here it's actually contingent on whichever election is more salient in the minds of people. So if it's the local election that's salient, they vote for the regional party for both the regional and the national. And, uh, and in India, I mean, there is there are some studies done here and there with very small sample sizes on this, which has shown that sometimes uh, in the erstwhile Andhra Pradesh, the Telugu Desam party used to benefit quite a bit when elections were simultaneous because the uh, state election was considered more salient. In other cases, it's been shown that the national parties have gained greater uh, uh, vote share because when, when elections are simultaneous. But this is the point that I was making. None of these four studies that I've talked about in the past actually have gone into questions of voter turnout and voter congruence in the detail that is necessary. And I think this is necessary for this committee to do. It is an opportunity for it to do it to see that what is the likely impact that this is going to have on the population. Now, whether that's whether they're going to do it or not is a different matter. But I think that we need to have a richer discussion about simultaneous elections than the three arguments that are usually preferred. That one, it reduces costs. Two, that this was the original way in which it happened. And number three, that you know it will reduce the uh, pressure on our security forces. These are good arguments, but I think that we need to have a deeper discussion on this. Right, that's a very interesting point you made about uh, voter congruence. Uh, yeah, I haven't really seen much debate on this aspect of it. I mean, it really has a lot of uh, political implications, uh, especially uh, with federalism as well. If, if, as you're saying, there is usually one election in a number of tiers, which becomes, uh, which achieves greater salience, and that could determine uh, which party or which candidate gets uh, a kind of an advantage. We'll come back to that if there is time. But in the meantime, I wanted to ask you about a point, uh, one of the three big arguments which are typically trotted out in this case, uh, which is uh, one of which is to do with election costs. And now there have been a lot of opaque uh, arguments back and forth on this. Is the reducing election costs, is it a real argument at all in the first place? I mean, what has been the experience in other countries, and it might be a marginal difference you might you might make in terms of costs being reduced. But uh, how does it really uh, matter in the larger scheme of things about federalism and democracy? Yeah. So let's be frank. I think cost reduction, we can all agree, is a good thing, right? We want to keep do everything as efficiently and as fiscally prudently as possible. So I think that's a that, that, that's a given, and I think no one can really argue for the proposition that elections should be more expensive. Uh, but unfortunately, we don't really have great data to show what is the actual reduction that will happen with simultaneous elections and what is the increased cost that will be need to be expended because we will have to now have 
EVMs and greater security forces and so on. So let me uh, go into what is actually there. So in the Niti Aayog report, it was estimated that 3,870 crores was spent in the 2014 general elections. Now, the the Sudarshana Nachiyappan Committee, the Parliamentary Standing Committee, also had a data point which was which was in that kind of region as well. Uh, it also said that it cost around, if I'm not mistaken, around 300 crores to do an election in a in a reasonably mid-sized state. Now, these are all good numbers. And, you know, if you're going to decide on uh, whether to have simultaneous elections or not on the overall basis that it will reduce costs, yes, it's likely to reduce costs. But I think the questions are one level deeper than that. One, that how much does it cost to do a state election in a small state, in a medium-sized state, and in a large state? If you are now going to do it together, how much of this is going to actually be saved? Now, it's not as if all of it is going to be saved. It's so because that's that's not really the case because you still have to do these elections. You have to get this manpower. You have to get voting machines. You have to get all the paraphernalia in place in order to make it happen. Now, I haven't, and I'm happy to be corrected on this, but I haven't seen any studies that are looking at the comparative effects of what would happen if you were to do uh, elections together and versus whether where you were going to do it separately. So I think this is some work that economists have to do. And it is one of the committee's terms of reference. The committee has a term of reference to look at what additional arrangements and costs in terms of VVPATs and EVMs will be needed in order and manpower will be needed in order to make this happen. So I hope that the committee invites uh, economists to go into this question so that we actually get to know as to whether this is a canard or not. Currently, we, I can only say this with some certainty, that if we do have simultaneous elections, it will reduce cost. But I can also say that simply the fact that it will reduce some cost is not a good enough reason to have elections, simultaneous elections. We must understand more closely in terms of where the savings are and where the additional expenditures will have to be made. Right. Speaking of savings and additional uh, expenditures, yeah, I was just also wondering, when we speak about cost of holding elections and how you will save uh, uh, election expenditures by holding simultaneous elections, we never talk about the money spent by political parties, the money which comes through electoral bonds. What about that expenditure? Other countries have got state funding for political parties. There is a cap, right? We can reduce costs by putting a, by, give, by bringing in state funding of political parties and keeping a cap on it. Why can't we do it that way? If, if, if your main idea is to reduce costs, reduce the amount spent by political parties. Why do you, why are you focusing only on the on manpower and security and EVMs and so on? I mean, I, 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 that is number one. Number two, the Hindus editorial also pointed it out. If you are uh, if you're going to look at take a bigger uh, sort of a perspective on it. It's a good thing for the economy if the elections are happening, all those cutouts and huge uh, rallies, uh, whatever, all the things, goodies being distributed, you know, people being taken in buses, etc. It's good for economic activity to flourish. It'll increase our GDP. It's, I mean, greater economic activity is not necessarily, I mean, it's not a bad thing, right? So it's, it's not a black and white kind of a picture as is being portrayed. Let's cut costs by holding simultaneous elections. Anyway, so we'll, it's, it's a long argument. We'll come back to that later if there is time. I wanted to quickly uh, get you in on, on the core issues here with regard to the constitutional amendments. 
I mean, what constitutional amendment would be needed to implement this one nation, one election? And would it require a two-thirds majority or a simple majority for the government to pass this? Yeah, so first up, a, a caveat uh, is that I think a lot of the discussion in the last uh, whatever time since this committee was announced uh, has really been about constitutional amendments, changes to the Representation of People Act. And, and these are important discussions to have. But as I said right at the outset, as this is a downstream conversation, because the fact is, this is really about the mechanics of it. Once you know what the problem with your car is, I mean, it'll it's a matter of time before it will get fixed. So I think what we are talking about here should really be about diagnosing the problem in the car rather than what spare part is needed in order to fix it. But coming to the spare parts, in terms of the constitutional amendments themselves, I think that the matter is, I mean, on the face of it, straightforward. Now it can you can do many things, uh, uh, other things with it. But basically, the short point is this, that currently the constitution in two of its provisions says that the state legislature it has a tenure of five years and it gets dissolved from five years of the date of its first sitting. The same is the case for the Lok Sabha. Now, if you are going to have simultaneous elections, then in some cases it will be for the first time, whenever you are going to do it the first time. So in some cases it will be less than five years. In some cases it will be more than five years. Now, when it is less than five years, it can be done voluntarily. Like the prime minister may decide today that he wants to call an election in two months time. That is his prerogative and he can, he can do that. Uh, if it is more than five years, then that necessarily requires a constitutional amendment because no prime minister or chief minister can voluntarily extend their tenure beyond the period that is prescribed in the constitution. So one, we need amendments to the constitution which prescribe the five-year period as a given. We have to either allow for an extension or mandate a curtailment or both as the case may be. That's, that's number one. And as a lot of people have been saying, including the law minister, there are four articles of the constitution which need to change. As a result of that, I won't go into the numbers. Uh, in order to make it happen, it's been said that you need an amendment to Article 356, which is the emergency provisions in the constitution. My sense is that that kind of amendment is needed, whether in Article 356 or in any other article, as a one-off measure to allow the allow the government or the parliament whoever the competent authority is to curtail this curtail this tenure of the house so what we need is essentially to do away with the five year tenure and on the other hand we need the mechanics which is being provided by article 356 this is the basic set of amendments we need it can get more complicated depending on which kind of simultaneous elections we go for and these amendments can be uh, passed with a simple majority in the, in the Houses of Parliament? Yeah, so majority of both Houses of Parliament and two-thirds present and voting, which is called a special majority, this is what you need. And this is actually an unfortunate curiosity of our constitution uh, that this amendment will not require ratification by states. Uh, while this is very significant for the future electoral health of the country, the constitution of India, as I've argued, I've got an upcoming book called The Colonial Constitution, is a very center-heavy constitution. Uh, it is quasi-federal at best if we want to be charitable, and 
almost entirely unitary if we want to be less charitable. Uh, but this amendment to the way in which elections are held in the center and states does not require ratification of states. It requires a majority of both houses of parliament plus two-thirds present and voting. So you're saying for something like GST, the states had to ratify, but something which is far more significant like this, the states don't need to ratify. States don't need to ratify, that's right. Okay, okay, okay. Now coming to the feasibility aspect of it, Agya. So, like, will if 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 a state government were to sort of uh, fall, let's say, okay, and we have this simultaneous election as a system now, a state government falls. So, what will happen? Will it go under president's rule for the rest of its term? Like, how how do these kinds of things get resolved in this new system? I'm not talking about the feasibility of of bringing it in. I'm saying once it's in place, how will these kind of problems be addressed? Yeah, great. So because what we've discussed so far is about getting it in place and getting it in place requires those constitutional amendments, requires a bit of political give and take to curtail tenures and extend some tenures. But I think that's the easier part of the story. What you pointed out is actually the real difficulty that many countries have faced across the world when there are where they've tried to move towards simultaneous elections or where they have simultaneous elections. Because broadly speaking, there are two conceptual issues at play here. Number one is that in our system, governments are responsible to the legislature and through the legislature, they are responsible to the people. So at every given point of time, the conceptual understanding is that the government has a majority of the people. So now what happens when someone loses majority? Right. We can decide that we want to continue the same understanding that they have to be responsible to the legislature, in which case then you'd have to have elections again. So then what happens to simultaneous elections? Or we have to change that understanding itself. Now, how do we change that understanding? Uh, we can change that understanding by coming up with one of two solutions. And I'm happy to explain this in more detail because it gets a little bit complicated. The first is that we can put in the constitution, this is yet another constitution amendment, that parliament and state legislatures will have a fixed term of five years or four years, whatever that, whatever the number we may want to decide. That this is a fixed term. So once you've elected, you're basically elected for five years and we can have the most exceptional situation where two thirds of members have lost confidence or some super majority. Only in that exceptional situation can you have another election. And if you have another election, it is only for that remainder of the term. So say a government for the, that does not have a majority in year three, then the new government that forms is only doing it for two years so that your cycle is back uh, whenever that date is. Now, the UK had tried this model in 2011. They passed a fixed term Parliaments Act, um, but then they repealed it because it, it they realized that it was actually not, not working out. Why was it not working out? What was the issue for them? Because they could not make it absolute. Right. They, they did not in the fixed term parliaments act. It did not say that it will be five years period. They did say that the next election, this was done in 2011. This was that coalition government uh, with Nick, uh, David Cameron and Nick Clegg. Uh, and they did say that the next election will be held on the 7th of uh, whatever. I think it was May 2015. They had given a date. Uh, but because they also have this principle that governments are responsible to the to, to parliament, there was a 
there were some residuary clauses and the residuary clauses allowed for no confidence motions in certain situations allowed for super majorities of two thirds to dissolve the house so there were residuary clauses and they found that they actually could not stop governments as a result of this by using these clauses or engineering these clauses to make sure that elections actually happen this has happened in germany in germany also where there is a similar where there are similar provisions two chancellors helmut kohl and gerhard schroeder both engineered no confidence motions against themselves so that they could go back and seek a mandate from the people so you see there are interesting things that happen so we should not from this i think the lesson is clear is that we should not look at one nation one election through modi tinted glasses that you know this is a this is a government of a super majority and so this is done to benefit the bjp maybe it does benefit the bjp at this point of time sure but you know we have seen the coalition days of devegowda and gujral as well not so long ago other countries you have situations where people want to go and and have a poll because they want to seek a renewed mandate of the people so this issue is much larger than the modi and the bjp and i think when we are looking at the mechanics of it we must be very careful cautious and slow right i mean you mentioned about how uh, these residuary clauses uh, they sort of put pay to the solution you had presented you know about having a fixed term for members of parliament now if that could happen in germany and uk when I mean, indian politicians are even uh, equally if not more creative uh, in their uh, thinking that's right right so uh, i don't see how it's going to survive in india either anyway so that's uh, again a, a long no, so there are ways and means so there are ways and means so if i were to give just one example uh, is that you know when we were uh, at the time we were thinking about our constitution there was a document that the hindu mahasabha had come up with called the constitution of the hindustan free state it was a very reasonable document which said that india will be a secular country and so on i don't want to get into the details but one provision that it had in that constitution was the right to recall that you have a right to recall your constituents and there will be a referendum if you want to recall a constituent you know and if you were to have a fixed term of 5 years maybe at every 2 and a half years there is an option that is given to the citizen to recall instead of these residuary clauses you know i'm just suggesting that these are there are many ideas or in terms of how these residuary clauses might be framed right in that case then instead of once in 5 years we might have uh, an election every once in 2.5 years ultimately sampath i think that this is what we might end up at i mean i could be completely wrong but i think we might end up at a situation if we are very uh, serious about this simultaneous election that we will not have one nation one election but one nation two elections once every 2.5 years right now coming to uh, the final question uh, big question i wanted to ask you uh, in this podcast i guess so this whole question of federalism i mean Uh, anything which is one 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 is going to undermine uh, federalism from what we have seen one nation one language one nation you know all these things so he, already you spoke about vote congruence where uh, it, uh, where the salience of one election could end up impacting how the voter votes in the other tiers of the election and i would imagine that this is something uh, which would be to a great extent determined by the media right i mean they give they are the ones who determine what is salient on a day to day basis almost one could say that the media and maybe social media to some extent so in in from what we know of how the media operates in india and uh, the larger context of uh, unitariness as you put it 
how do you see this playing out in terms of uh, federalism taken in itself you know, let's forget about all the other issues of cost and etc just federalism is it going to help increase uh, the federal quotient of the indian union let's put it that way or is it going to dilute that yeah so i'm sorry to disappoint you on this but i will not be able to give a very clear cut answer because the truth is that i really don't know there are some things where we can say that one nation one x let's say language okay which is definitely something that is going to have a hugely deleterious effect on federalism and diversity in our country and i think that there is uh, there, there, there can really be uh, very little uh, disagreement of course i mean there can be but it's unlikely to be uh, but this issue cuts both ways on the basis of the data because as i said it does lead to greater voter congruence now i know that there is a traditional wisdom that the indian voter can vote differently when is voting for elections in delhi uh, and when is voting for uh, members of parliament from the national capital territory of delhi as we have seen that right as in the seven mps from delhi where i live is are from the bjp whereas the the state government is the government of uh, the aam aadmi party but this is on the basis of statistics that is really the exception most of the time voters vote congruently now the key question here and this is why it's an open question for federalism is that which election is more salient in the minds of the voter at that point of time so i think one in today's context it does appear that it would be a significant benefit to the national parties certainly where i'm sitting it does seem that way but this is also an opportunity for regional parties to try and ensure that they can become more nationally relevant so for example it was quite interesting i don't know what the politics behind this was uh, but the parliamentary standing committee report uh, notes that the aia dmk for example in 2015 that is uh, i jayalalitha was alive at that time uh, the the aia dmk was in support of uh, simultaneous elections because i think it felt that this was a way in which it could have a greater vote share in the in for members of parliament uh so uh, the simultaneous elections have benefited the biju janata dal and have also been benefited the telugu desam party so you know it's an interesting question we are not exactly sure where the penny will drop but i think on as you rightly said as it will be contingent on media and how both the national media and local media report on issues uh, but i think it's not a foregone conclusion that one nation one election is necessarily strikes a body blow to federalism in a way in which some other homogenizing uh, traits can i think this is one where the jury is still out right that that really is a very uh, thought provoking and thoughtful response i gave on this question when i had assumed that this was more or less a settled question that it is going to undermine federalism but you have really uh, put some seeds seeds of doubt there especially the examples of admk and uh, the bjd and how the regional parties some of them themselves think that they could actually benefit from one nation uh, one election by probably increasing their share uh, in the lok sabha so that's again uh, an interesting point thank you so much argya uh, it was an absolute pleasure discussing this uh, proposal uh, with you in such great detail i, I would uh, take away especially the points about uh, voter turnout how that could increase and vote co- voter congruence how what would congruence how that could benefit 
a certain uh, tiers of uh, political parties that are in a good position to take advantage of it. Thank you so much. Hope to see you soon once again. Thanks, Rampat. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.